Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. I'm joined over Skype from Brooklyn by Eric Green. Eric, how is New York this morning? Um, apparently, JFK Airport is uh, is flooding, so that's good. Uh, but it's warm, and or warmer, I should say, uh, or so I heard. I haven't been outside yet. The Raptors have, in a move uh, that could only be for me, canceled shoot around. Uh, so. You know, really no reason to leave the uh, the hotel until, you know, four thirty five o'clock. Everything's great. I would argue being in Brooklyn, you should leave the hotel for food at lunch. And Yeah, that might happen. Um, but I also might go back to sleep. These are the we're getting to exciting beat writer minutia early on in the uh, podcast, which the people love. The people love it. Uh, okay, so you're in New York right now. You were just in uh, Chicago and uh, Milwaukee in between that. You got to take some train rides that uh, were not as uh, seamless as you as you once hoped. Uh, the love Raptors, the train. Yeah, I know, but you love the train when it's not uh, heavily delayed, right? Uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, I think all things considered, it still ate up less of my day than having to take a flight from Chicago to Milwaukee would have taken. Fair. Uh, do you want to get the 905 minutia nobody cares about out of the way, too? Because they had to, uh, they were in Erie on Friday and in Portland, Maine on Sunday. But to get, to make that trip, they had to bus from Erie to Toronto, fly to Boston, and bus to Portland, Maine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey. They're, uh, com- com- they're coming on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about how hot the Raptors are with their third four-game winning streak in the last month. Uh, the Raptors now five one nine in a row, and the showcase is this coach week. of the year again. I mean, honestly, yeah, he he might be. Um, so this is a big week for the Raptors. The G League showcase is here, which is a big thing for the organization and the nine oh five um, for people who only care about the Toronto Raptors on the court. That matters less. Still a pretty big week. They are in Brooklyn tonight, Monday night. They'll return home Tuesday for a back to back that sees the Miami Heat visit in what will surely be the latest James Johnson revenge game. And then on Thursday and Saturday, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors visit. Eric, this is an important week. It's a informative week. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think it's sort of something that we've all been looking forward to for a while. Of course, Brooklyn and, uh, as we record this, Brooklyn and Miami come first. Uh, and we can talk about the merits of those games or not. But, uh, you know, the Raptors have handled themselves well so far in the games against Milwaukee. They did what they should uh, in Chicago against a team that's playing increasingly well. And now you get the sort of ultimate regular season tests, assuming full half for both teams. And I'm, I'm not sure we can assume that for the Warriors, considering when Curry was... Out of the lineup, and now Kevin Durant has been in and out of the lineup recently. I think, I think that's also their third uh, but, game in four nights on Saturday. Yeah, but even, yeah, and yeah, and the, uh, on the end of the back to back. So who knows what will happen with that? But even still, those are good teams, and you know the Raptors' last 
quote unquote big test in in Oklahoma City did not go very well. Uh, and these those games should be uh, electric atmospheres in the Air Canada Center, uh, to the very least. And the team will never, at the very least, and the team will never admit how uh, important or, or that these games are bigger. But I th- I think after the last month, it would be sort of, uh, you know, it would be a bit of a lie to say they they're not looking. Uh, they won't use them as a bit of a, ugh, I'm about to spit out a cliche, a measuring stick. <laughs> just, you know, letting them know where they are, because it's hard to judge that uh, against many of the teams they have played other by than what they've done, which has been mostly annihilate uh, the teams in front of them. To the tune of the second best net rating in the NBA now. The Houston Rockets yeah, come down to earth a little bit. Eat it, Houston. I'm sure the Raptors' net rating would continue to thrive if DeMar DeRozan were out of the window. Yeah, well, regression, Daryl Morey. That's that's what that is. Uh, okay, we're going to talk about DeMar DeRozan in a little bit. Uh, but looking at this week, uh, one one good way to measure the importance of a week or the importance of games over the last couple seasons has been a beat that you've narrowed in on uh, pretty specifically, Eric. Cleveland Cavaliers on a Thursday night, Golden State Warriors on a Saturday night. Drake or no Drake? Um, I I know people follow Drake's like comings and goings. I think I he was one of the first people I followed on Instagram, and then quickly unfollowed on Instagram. His caption game is very strong. Uh, Okay, Um, yeah, it just became too much. Like I'd wake up and it would just be uh, you know dogs and Drake. uh, Seven photos of Drake drinking out of the same red solo cup at a party. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I follow Drake no more. So I don't know where he is physically in this world. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say we'll see a bit of Drake this this week. I like Why not? You specified physically as if you know where Drake is, like spiritually or emotionally. <laughs> I, I think we all know where he's at emotionally all the time. Yeah. So here's what I'm hoping. It, Drake's gone, come to a couple games already this year, which is uh, a change after I think uh, I think. Drake to, against the Warriors yeah. was the only game he came to last season in the regular in the season. Right, in the regular season, yes. So he's came to a few already here. Um, not to give too much away, but I hinted at it in my Jersey Power Rankings the other week, too. Uh, you might see Drake at the end of January. I don't know. I'm just... I, I think you might see a little bit of Drake in the, the little homestand toward the end of the month. But uh, Drake, Cavaliers and Warriors... It, look, this is a lot of time for Drake to be in Toronto. So what I'm hoping for is that Drake being around a little bit more lately means new music's coming? Uh, except does he do that in Toronto, or does he, you know, do that in L.A.? Like, uh, no, maybe I, he needed to get back to his roots. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't uh, get all the Patois words that you need when you're out in L.A. you gotta, <laughs> you got to come to Mississauga and, and Brampton for those. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there are many YouTube clips that could uh, inspire him. Yes. Yeah, so, I, I think... Almost anything is findable on the internet these days, Blake. Man, I really want... Look, I don't want... I, I'm a big Drake fan of like the artist and the person, and I want Drake to be happy. But I want <laughs> I want a sad Drake album again, man. I want... I need Heartbreak Drake back. Not that the last couple have been bad, but it's just like not... They haven't been like my... The, the Drake that I prefer. Yeah. Well, that's it's got to be conflicting for you because if you want him to be happy, but he needs the inspiration to be sad, yeah. like that's 
those would seem to fly in the face of one another unless he can fake it. And I think uh, fake heartbreak Drake uh, might be the worst Drake of all. Who knows? Yeah, I, well, I think what fake heartbreak Drake is is it's like chest puffed out, like you're going to regret this. I'm sad, but you're the one who's really losing here, Drake. And I don't, you know, I've never felt that way once in my life, so <laughs> I can't relate. <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know. I'm gonna leave that to you to square away. Uh, you know, I'm all, I'm all for the world having more high quality art and especially in the mainstream. Uh, so, let's hope he, he comes by in a bit and delivers. But he had, he had what? He had the, the playlist or the, it wasn't a mixtape, yeah, it was a playlist like last yeah. year. And Views was the year before, right? Yeah. Views was 2016. Well, this is the thing. We're so spoiled is that Drake yeah. drops something every single year, if not more frequently than that. Yeah, it's and like... if uh, you're reading old... This is Too Late was 2015. So it's been a steady run. Yeah, like that's... Uh, I... Not to get on too much of a diversion, uh, but I, I visited a uh, one of my sort of hero musicians or a musician I really admire and admire his and his band's work last night. And they haven't released an album in 15 years. Are you talking about Weird Uh, Al? I know you're... (laughs) Weird Al is far more uh, productive than who I'm talking about. To whom Uh, are you referring? I'm referring to the Wrens, who, who nobody on this podcast cares about. Uh, but, I didn't uh, know that they were your favorite band, though. Yeah, well, about I, it I don't know if they're my favorite band, but they've released my favorite album ever. Right. Um, anyway, I can't get too much into it, other than to say on, on the guy's uh, Twitter feed, he is basically encouraging people who are in Brooklyn to come by and listen to parts of the new album. Uh, so I did that, um, but... It's still in a sort of perfectionist, let's figure figure out some of the songs and make them exactly how I want them, uh, you know, state. Uh, so Who Among for, Us? Yes, that's that's why I uh, I have not filed a story in in five weeks. <laughs> I, 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 just, I just like, yeah, I'll come back to this. I'll come back to this. Uh, this Raptors Brooklyn Nets gamer until when it's right. <laughs> um, it's speaking right. of things you've been up to in Brooklyn, and we're gonna stay a little off topic here. Uh, how's how's our buddy James? He's good. We uh, we went out with uh, he and his wife on Saturday night. Uh, we went out for some barbecue. Did you know that? Sorry, nothing. I made that stupid Saturday night sound. Oh, uh, <laughs> and uh, then we went to a hipster Brooklyn bar uh, that was packed with Brooklyn hipsters, and it was a good night had by all. He had um, New Year's cards with the legendary Duck the Cat on them to give to us, so that was Excellent. nice. Uh, to uh, anyone uh, who doesn't know, we're, we're referring to James Herbert of <laughs> CBS Sports, who used to be Toronto-based. Um, is one of the best feature writers in basketball right now, and he's Brooklyn-based now. So yeah. um, Eric got to catch up with him. Also, yeah, I mean, he has a famous cat. Yes, <laughs> an internet-famous cat, uh, by which, you know, is famous. Well, I, I have really have no idea how famous Duck is. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he's certainly known among us, which means he's famous. Eric, um, so, by the way, James and I... <laughs> unless, unless he is a she, but I think she's a he. 
I think yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a girl. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyway, okay. uh, I actually that's are asexual, as we know. I actually got into a bit of an argument with James yesterday. That's a callback to something we were talking about a couple weeks ago on the last edition of this podcast. Which uh, whenever, sorry, whenever that was. So, sorry, by the way, it was the holidays and then New Year's and we My weren't travel. in the same place and yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys survived without it. Anyway, remember I, when Jamar scored 52 points? That was awesome. Want to break that down? He was really good. Yeah, there, there. That's, that's all there. you missed. Like we did it. Yeah. The Oklahoma City game was really bad. Yeah, yeah, we did it. We did it. Um, okay, we will probably not miss an episode until the end of the season. Now, though, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a lofty promise. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Um, so James was at the Westchester Knicks game yesterday, writing a story about. Uh, a certain G-leaguer who I really don't believe in, and you had made the joke uh, not long ago when Milton Doyle got called up uh, as to whether I get to claim every G-leaguer. And I think this is the first time I've gotten in, like, an actual argument with another writer where I'm, like, vehemently, this guy is not an NBA player. I am not claiming this player as my own. Um, so there you go. I don't I don't yeah. claim all of them. Former NBA lottery pick. Yeah, not to give away the story, but former NBA no. lottery pick who uh, is not good. Anthony Bennett. Oh my God! So the Raptor, the 905 played against Anthony Bennett yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Not good. No, not not good for uh, the man you have described as young Putin. Young Putin, baby. Um, no, he. Uh, the only thing that he did that was like positive the entire game was he tripped and fell, cutting to the rim and drew a foul. Uh, but he, I don't know. I don't think he got fouled. I think he just tripped <laughs> and fell. Maybe I'll we'll, maybe we'll get a G League uh, flopping fine. How much? How much are those? Uh, like five bucks, probably. <laughs> uh, look, technicals only cost fifty, so wow, flopping fine's got to be pretty low. Yeah, that, uh, that only seems right. Uh, okay, so it has been a little bit since we've talked. DeMar the Raptors. De Ro- Demar Derozan has gone gangbusters. Uh, the Raptors are winning winners of four in a row now. They are uh, sixteen and three over their last nineteen. They had the one loss to the Clippers. And then back-to-back to Dallas and Oklahoma City. Uh, they're rolling right now. Over the last three games, DeMar DeRozan has averaged some obscene number of points. I think it's 37. Um, but he had that 52-point explosion. Um, he had eight assists in that game as well. The Friday night game against Milwaukee, he probably could have put up better numbers. But he basically played the ideal way the Raptors envisioned DeMar DeRozan growing to play against a team like the Bucks. Uh, man, have you... Not only DeMar DeRozan, I know these kind of discussions are like needlessly specific, but have you ever watched a Raptor have a stretch as good as DeMar DeRozan's had the last little while? Uh, I mean, my memory just doesn't photographic like that and doesn't uh, capture periods of time like that. So it's something I would have to go back and look at. Like I, I know that Kyle Lowry during this you know, this four or five year spurt has had the, has had stretches that have made me, you know, st- that, have, that have taken me aback. I know Vince Carter did it, but what DeRozan is doing is just awesome. Uh, and, and as you alluded to, like, obviously the Bucks were going to double or triple down on DeRozan, uh, on Friday night after he dropped 52 on them, and he just got rid of the ball when, you know, those long arms of John Henson or Giannis or Thon McCurr may... I can't say his name. 
I, it used to be so simple. It was so easy. Um, uh, when they were right in his face, he made the next pass, made it quickly, and the Raptors were pinging the ball around the court, and it was beautiful. Uh, and he's just dominant when he doesn't receive that sort of attention. And even sometimes when he does, he can, you know, uh, slither his way through a, through a, you know, sort of a trap and, and make a four or five on three play of his own. He's been great. Uh, I don't know, you know, the three pointer, if it stays, and that's part of what I wrote about today at the athletic, if it stays anywhere near this pace, especially on pull up threes, uh, in the, I tweeted this yesterday. In the last nine games, he's hit seven three-pointers off the dribble, which is one more than he hit in the entirety of last season. Uh, um, you know, if it stays anywhere near that, the Raptors' offense as a whole becomes so much more dangerous. So, I mean, not only for DeRozan and the three-point shots he takes, but if you have to stay true to Kyle Lowry, who might pull up from anywhere inside 28 feet, and if DeRozan can realistically pull up from behind the arc, then, you know, the area inside the arc is a lot more spaced out. Now, defenders aren't going over screens yet on DeMar uh, at, at the three-point arc, but if he continues to make him pay, you never know what's going to happen. It's uh, It's been a special run for him and, accordingly, a special run for the team. Uh, now, you, you talked about the article that you dropped at the Athletic Toronto. Uh, which I haven't got a chance to read yet, but I know yeah. that one thing you touch on in there is uh, the what DeMar DeRozan has been going through off the court with his father. Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun reported over the weekend that DeRozan has uh, been struck, or rather he's left the team at one point, um, I think before the Hawks game. After he- the Oklahoma okay. City game before and came back uh, just for just in time for shoot-around against Atlanta. So um, DeRozan has been... DeRozan's father has kidney disease and has not been doing well, per Simmons' report. So DeRozan has been, um, you know, going through that process mentally and and even going back home to L.A. once in a while. Uh, Eric, did you... you, I haven't read your piece yet. Did you guys talk to DeMar about that, or was it kind of pieced together from what Dwayne said, or...? Yeah, DeMar talked about his uh, father's health and his relationship with his father in general, Yesterday, he didn't give us a medical report, which he does not have to and should not. That's private information for he and his family to disclose as they see fit. Uh, you know, all he said when asked was, he's still here and that's all that's important. Uh, and I wouldn't draw conclusions one way or the other based on that. Um, but this is clearly a man, uh, Damar, who was shaped by his father. He talked about... How, you know, his one-on-one games with his dad and how the first time he beat him, uh, Frank DeRozan, uh, in his prime was more of a football player than a basketball player. But in, he, uh, the first time he beat him, there was probably like a busted lip involved and sort of he referenced the he got, he got game park scene. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this is, uh, he's close with both of his parents and, uh, I think not to, you know, psychoanalyze or, or moralize or anything, but, uh, you know, that's a, a lot where DeRozan's famed work ethic comes from is drawing, uh, so much from both of his hardworking parents. And he seems to be, and this is on the surface, we can only know what a person is going through so much by talking to them for a few minutes a day. 
and observing them for a few more minutes. He seems to be compartmentalizing pretty well. Uh, and he, you know, was joking you know, Friday after the win in Milwaukee that it was like as loud and sort of as lighthearted of a locker room as I've seen in a while from the Raptors. Uh, he, Jonas and Ibaka were all having taken some jabs at each other. Um, but you know, it's, your your professional life and your personal life invariably, you know, they're not gonna only be, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna cooperate with one another. Uh, sometimes your personal go- life goes goes poorly while you know it's a very important time in your prof- professional life and vice versa. Uh, so he's obviously handling it the best he can and there's nothing to complain about on the court. And the Raptors said, you know, he has the full support of the organization to uh, go home whenever it's necessary or he deems it necessary. Uh, So that's obviously something to keep in mind going forward. But uh, you know, uh, he's doing what he can and clearly, tough situation that any of us or, or most of us at least would be able to empathize with well hopefully you know for DeRozan's father and for him that things are you know better before better. they're before they're the opposite um and obviously everyone's thoughts should be with the family with DeRozan um uh staying on DeRozan and his father a little bit uh I just listened to before we started recording this DeRozan's appearance on the Woj pod yeah, uh, I know you probably haven't got a chance to listen because uh, it came on. It came up just this morning. Uh, it's really good, and, and DeRozan DeRozan doesn't go into detail about his father's health in there, but he yeah. is. As they go into, they get into some of what drives DeRozan to continually get better, and there yeah. are some fun stories in there about when he was a kid and like like bug, bugging his dad, asking him questions like, "Well, how come I jump off my left foot to to?" Sh- to jump, but I can kick a ball further with my right foot and little, like all these little curiosities and Jamar and DeRozan's dad's answer was always just like, well, get better at it, you know? And that's, I mean, we hear famously uh, about the summer that DeRozan did everything with his left hand. And it sounds like that's the kind of thing he's been doing ever since he was a kid, um, just out of curiosity. And because he, you know, wanted to get better at everything. Uh, It's a really good listen. The one thing that I wanted to ask you about specifically, obviously we don't want to spend our podcast talking about their podcast because their podcast was quite good, and people should listen to it. Uh, DeRozan revealed something that I don't think we knew. Uh, he said that the so first of all, he said that the first year Kyle Lowry was in Toronto, the two of them didn't speak at all. They didn't have each other's numbers. They didn't go for meals. There was kind of a sense both sides that Lowry was just passing through. Uh, yeah, well, the team started four and nineteen that year, so yeah. <laughs> it does not breed. Uh, you know, connectedness and, and yeah. uh, funny how talk. winning cures things. Like yeah. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward to 2013, 14, which is the year where Rudy Gay was traded and Kyle Lowry was almost traded. And DeMar told Woj, which this, this is the thing I don't think we'd heard before. If Kyle Lowry was traded, uh, DeMar had kind of decided that he was going to ask for a trade too, because he didn't want to start all over and he was tired of not making the playoffs. This wasn't a slight on Toronto or the Raptors. Most of the podcast is DeMar talking glowingly about how important it's been to him to grow Toronto basketball and become the face of the franchise. Um, so no one should take it as, uh, you know, that kind of he wanted out because of Toronto thing. But he was frustrated with the losing. And if the team had traded Rudy Gay, traded Andrea Bargnani, was going to trade Kyle Lowry, um, DeMar said that he he revealed that he had thought about asking for a trade as well. 
Um, Eric, did the Kyle Lowry what if game just get significantly bigger? I mean, that's always sort of been the the biggest thing about this this franchise uh, and their their development. Uh, if Lowry's traded, you know, I don't think the franchise is is too married to the idea of DeMar DeRozan. So I'm not sure how much bigger it gets. I think I wrote at the time, uh, and I remember some people thinking it was premature, and I was like, well, if the Raptors are going to tear this down, the least they can do is get rid of DeMar, who's been the model citizen here, and, uh, you know, they de- there's no real place for him going forward, uh, and he deserves a chance to be in a in a winning environment. So I'm not sure how much that admission uh does to 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 make that what if a bigger scenario than it already is because we know if they don't have Lowry, if they get a first round pick who doesn't turn into a star immediately uh uh for for Lowry, then this franchise is you know, probably just figuring things out now as opposed to the way, you know, best case scenario that they're figuring it out last year or this year uh, versus the run that they've been on. So I'm not sure how much it changes. It certainly adds to the legend, though. Thank you, James Dolan. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, man. What a what a weird like, ah. I don't even want to talk. I mean, we've, it's just we've like all talked Jayden, about it to death over time. Yeah, but. yeah. It's it's funny that Dolan made these two trades that you know hurt him in various ways, and then when he could have doubled down on what he'd done, but do so effectively. I think, given I mean, given both of our judgments and, and uh, of Lowry's game. He was like, no, that's it. Like, he stopped at exactly the wrong time. (laughs) Um, Not that you necessarily want to be giving away another first-round pick. Like, I I get the logic behind it uh, about not wanting to... But but who knows with Dolan if it's about logic or if it's about, I'm just not going to let that, you know, expletive beat me in another trade. Yeah, it's probably ego. Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know... It's important to have a cohesive uh, plan when it comes to team building. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good thing to have. <laughs> and not be driven by emotion, uh, uh, which is sort of the interesting thing about Masai because he publicly he lets so much emotion out, uh, which is I think part of what fans love about him. But his decision making is so calculated and even conservative well that's what that's what weltman and bobby webster have been around for <laughs> yeah Masai, calm down but i like i honestly don't think he needs that much help there like it's good to have sane voices next to you like you'd you'd be in that much in that position of power you'd be crazy not to to give yourselves checks yourself checks and balances but uh yeah, and it's that kind of passion and emotion that you know I think makes people such big fans of Ujiri, not just fa- not just the fans of the team, but like players yeah. around the league. Uh, the one other funny note from Woj's pod with Demar was that um, obviously All Star Weekend here was supposed to be a big not recruiting pitch for like the following summer, but to like build the city up in the minds of players. And Demar said he had to spend the whole weekend promising other people that it wasn't this cold all the time. That's when it was minus twenty five that weekend. 
uh, Celsius. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know Fahrenheit. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's, it's probably, not nice here it, right now, but it's not minus twenty five. Yeah. Uh, it's just the sustained cold on this trip. It's been. I think only today it's kind of lifting. It lifted a bit yesterday. It was a bit warmer yesterday. Uh, anyway, this isn't a weather podcast, yeah. but uh, so that, other... was an, that was an awful weekend. It was. Yeah. It was I really enjoyed it, and I think I think objectively it's one of the best NBA All Star weekends ever. Yeah, like if you're going to have pod or All Star weekends in New York, then you run basically just as much of a chance as having a frigid all-star weekend as if you have them yeah. in Toronto. Like, the events were still good and fun. They had bad luck with the weekend in question in terms of the weather. But, look, New York just got hammered by a snow by snowfall, whereas Toronto didn't. Uh, so it's the winter. If you have please, it anywhere... Please like my city. Yeah. If it's anywhere that's not, you know... New Orleans or LA or Miami, you're running that risk of having something that might either tamp down the fun you can have outside, which is not where most NBA activities go on anyway, uh, uh, or, you know, having flights canceled, et cetera, et cetera. So it's fine. All right, one more jumping off point from the, the Knicks talk is that one of the picks for Andrea Bargnani became Jakob Pertl, who's now the team's backup center. On Friday, however, Jonas Valanciunas got early foul trouble. This was before he ate the entire Milwaukee Bucks team uh, in the third quarter. Uh, he became the first person in, I think, five seasons, according to ESPN Stats and Info, to outscore and out-rebound an opponent in a quarter. Not an opposing center, the entire opposing team, uh, with 20 points, 9 rebounds. But in between... Uh, Valanciunas is foul trouble in his dominant third quarter. Dwayne Casey called on Lucas Noguera. Noguera had a really bad minute and then a really good five minutes, which is kind of what Noguera does. Uh, Eric, I wrote about Lucas Noguera on Sunday and all of the things he showed in that five-minute stretch and all of the things he still does well uh, despite not getting a lot of time. I kind of want to ask you broadly about the rotation because you wrote about Norman Powell uh, the other day as well. Noguera and Powell sitting here uh, as Casey kind of locks down what looks to be a 10-man rotation. Do you think Casey will expand it back to 11 or 12 at any point? Or are Powell and, and Noguera kind of sitting in these spots like we saw them in Friday or Wednesday where uh, they're going to get tiny windows which aren't necessarily the best situations to succeed in and they're going to have to just make the most of it to get their jobs back? Or not their jobs back, but to carve out larger roles again. Uh, I think for now it's going to st- Stay the same under the guise of don't fix what's broken or what what ain't broken. Um, but there's going to be opportunities. Like I, I can't I can't get too worked up about this anymore because they're going to have their opportunities again. Uh, injuries will come or other players will struggle, and that's where this great position of them having. 12 quality NBA players uh, comes into effect, and that's obviously a luxury. Nagara showed what he's showed before in that he can make an impact on the game in so many different ways. Uh, you know, I, I think you put it best when you said whenever he gets injured, there's a reason that we all say, oh, oh just when he was playing so well, because he tends to play pretty <laughs> well 
he gets his opportunity, uh, which is not to say he should be getting it ahead of Pirtle or Valanchunas, because you can see why those decisions are made, both from a game-to-game standpoint and from a long-term roster management standpoint. Powell is not as bad as he's looked recently. And, you know, there's there's also a reason why he has been such a positive force in both of the last two playoffs. So I think it would sort of be unwise to try and fit them back into the rotation right now. Uh, it just runs the risk of getting play, players out of the rhythm they're currently in. But they're going to get chances again. And they're probably going to... Uh, look pretty good when they do get their chances, assuming they're extended opportunities. You know, it's, I think the nature of Powell's situation right now, which is Casey's trying to find him some time, you can tell, you know, whether it was that few minutes against, uh, against Chicago at the end of the first half, um, which I really spot. don't think is a great spot to put a guy in and, no, exactly. to turn it around. I, I, I you know, I, I sort of, I see what Casey's trying to do, but the amount of pressure you would put yourself, you would put on yourself in that scenario makes it harder to perform well. Um, and, and it certainly makes each thing you do, like it underlines how, uh, crucial it is for your upcoming chances. When in reality, if he plays well or plays poorly in those two or three minutes, his role probably isn't changing in the absence of an injury or a real slump from another player. Uh, short answer after a long answer, they're both good players. If they get chances, they're both going to do more good things than bad, and the Raptors have a deep-as-hell roster. Do you think Dwayne Casey will tighten things up a little bit about against Cleveland and Golden State to try to get those wins, or is he still going to... Like, are we going to see the all-bench groups against those two opponents? We probably are, right? Yeah. And they're uh, going to get outscored. Probably. Maybe not against but, Cleveland's bench. It, as long as it's not LeBron and bench, they might yeah. be okay against the Cavs bench. But that he LeBron and bench group that's torched the Raptors two years in a row uh, might have something to say. Dwayne talked about it yesterday in, in the uh, context of keeping DeMar and Kyle's minutes down. He's like, that's allowing me to do it. Um, so if... And he did ride out that four or five game slump that the bench had and continued to give them chances and and I think we talked about it at the time and uh we won't say who said what uh about extending the minutes or keeping them at those minutes or or tightening up the rotation uh other than to say I was right um, but uh you know Whoa, this, I never advocated for extending their minutes not extending I yeah, I you could just stagger there. them more aggressively yeah to limit yeah. those all like look the the five man bench unit still has a negative net rating it's not as if they've been yeah like it's like don't don't preen like you just dunked it's still yeah. been a negative group it's just it's they yeah, played it's, even it, enough on balance to steal yeah. you those minutes which is important uh, yeah like that's not nothing that is that is crucial throughout an 82 game season uh and i think he will continue to see the utility of that uh now we have seen him game to game, you know, give those groups chances. And if it's not going well, he'll get Lowry back in the game. Or Baca. He's done it with the Baca, too, which I think is a nice wrinkle. You could probably do it with Valanciunas, too, although you'd have to change the style that that second unit's playing. But uh, a Baca with the bench yeah. has been a, yeah. an okay look once in a while. Yeah. 
Ibaka's been pretty good, man. I, yeah, I'll continue to try to do that, and uh, I think that's the right approach for now. Dwayne Casey's coaching really well. Yeah, he is. Coach of the month. Yeah. Dwayne, uh, DeMar will probably, <laughs> <laughs> will probably be named player of the week today, I assume. Yeah, oh, uh, I've already got the post prepped. <laughs> well, uh, how many posts do you have prepped right now? Is that not, the only one? Not many. Yeah. Um, okay. I have one for the next all-star voting returns, DeMar player of the week, and that's it. No one's hurt right now. So usually I have one ready for a guy's return. Yeah. Um, you know, I had one ready for DeRozan player of the month, but Bradley Beal beat him out for it. I did no, not have one ready LeBron, for Casey LeBron coach. LeBron James, LeBron James beat him out for it. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Um, Beal got player of the week that week, yeah. Uh, I did not have one ready for Dwayne Casey coach of the month because I thought Fred Hoiberg was going to get it for sure. Um, so I had to write that one on an elliptical, and when I read it later, there were like almost a typo per word. So I don't think I'll do that again. I think I'll just yeah. wait the hour until I'm home to write that pressing news story. Yeah, that seems like a bad place to type. Yeah. Oh, speaking of pressing news, uh, this is not pressing news at all, but one like bookkeeping item, because I'd written about it before, but it's not worth its own post. Uh, Alfonso McKinney's deal is now guaranteed for the rest of the season. So uh, congratulations to Alfonso McKinney for sticking on the roster. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, because of the connection problems and because it's gone on long enough, let's close it out. Um, at Brooklyn, at home against Miami on the second night of a back-to-back, at home against Cleveland, at home against the Golden State team on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, what do the Raptors come out of this week with? They might even, you know, honestly, we're, we're probably going to have five games between podcasts because then they play Monday afternoon in Philly for the Martin Luther King Day game. Yeah. So are we including that? Yeah. Yeah. Give us a give us a snapshot of the five game week. Uh, I think my gut is saying two and three. Ooh. Um, three and two would be very good. Three and two would be good. Three and two, I think they could come out of this. You know, I, I think people feel a certain way if the two losses are Cleveland and um, Golden State. But yeah. you beat Miami on the second night of a back-to-back. That's a good Miami team that's played really well uh, since a tough start. And then you win in Philly, which you know, if Joel Embiid plays, that's a that's a tough win. Um, I think three and two would be fine. I think three and two is probably the base, like the the expectation. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go into Philly against, assuming Embiid's playing, uh, I don't think you're at the stage where you can assume wins over Cleveland and Golden State at this point. Uh, So, I don't know. This this is a really tough week. Yeah. Um, I think think their shot of beating Brooklyn is pretty high. And then, you know, second night of a back-to-back at home against Miami, I guess they'll probably only be like one or two-point favorites. Yeah. And then Cleveland and Golden State, they'll probably... Cleveland, it might be close to a push. And then Golden State, they'll be slight dogs. Uh, And then in Philly in an afternoon, they'll probably, if they're favored, it'll only be, you know, a point or two. So... Yeah. It's a lot of coin toss games. A lot of coin toss games, uh, which is good for uh, drama. Hopefully they, you know, play out like that. Yeah. Hopefully, the only thing I hope this week is that... You love you love clutch minutes. You just want more clutch minutes, am I right? No, I was just going to say that I hope I don't... Like, the, the back and forth from Hershey Center to the Arcana Center during the showcase while Cleveland and Golden State are also here. I just hope I don't die this week. It's going to be... That is a good thing to hope every yeah. week. From Tuesday uh, to Saturday, I will basically be at an arena all day long. Oh, I'm, I'm punting on the uh, showcase this year. I'm sorry... Should. 
after a after an eight day trip, I just I'm not doing it. There's also not a lot going on, right? Like like it's yeah. a fun event, and there's there are stories to tell. Yeah, the 905 are good. They're and like that that's that's basically it. Like there's not an Eddie Tavares or an Axel Tupon who's sniffing at a call up. Yeah, um, there's not really that you know punchy story to tell yeah. the team. Although, if anyone wants to hear about any player or storyline in particular, I'm happy to write it from the showcase. Because yes. I'll be sitting in a Hershey Center chair for four days. So, uh, Godspeed. Yeah. It'll be fun, though, man. It's a, it's usually a good time. And some of the other teams have some good stories. Uh, I guess it'll depend on which teams send what two-way players and stuff like that. Um, the Raptors, by the way, will have both their two-way players down for the showcase, but McKinney and uh, Bruno will be back with the Raptors because, as a matter of policy, they don't uh, they don't uh, send their their Raptors guys down during the showcase. Because you want to showcase the players who can be picked up by other teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, the two way contracts guarantee a week from today as well. So, um, if Malcolm Miller and Lorenzo Brown are still on the the roster at that point, they'll probably be on the roster the rest of the year. Although, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world to, to later move on from one of them. But I don't see why they do that. So um, this is probably your roster, other than that 15th roster spot. And maybe, you know, we'll talk trades more over the next month. The trade deadline's about a month away. Uh, for it now, is. though, Eric Kareen is saying 2-3 and three over a, a tough five-game week. Yeah. And, you know, hearing that, it sounds a bit low. It's just the schedule, like the pacing of the schedule doesn't favor them and the teams are tough. So uh, I'm erring on the side of negativity, which I've never once done before. Wow, yeah, new new look for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, man, uh, you have a, a safe trip home. Enjoy Brooklyn. Enjoy our buddy James Herbert. Uh, man, we'll talk to you. Well, I'll see you lots this week, but we'll talk to you on this podcast next, uh, probably next Tuesday. That I don't seemed... think it makes sense to try to jam a Monday morning one in no, with a 1 no. p.m. game. No, that sounds... Uh... Like a bad idea. Sorry for the Wi-Fi issues and connection issues, everybody. But, uh, you know, you've come to expect such high-level audio quality from this podcast that it'd be understandable if you were disappointed. Yeah, and the number of times we disconnected, this is going to be uh, this is going to be some editing. This is going to be the Picasso yeah. podcast where there's just yeah. chunks that don't fit together and sound different. Yeah. It'll be Ca- fun. They don't call you uh, copy and paste Murphy for nothing. Oh, God, what a weird thing to end it on. All right, guys, let's, let's cut off there. Eric, I'll talk to you soon. Guys, thanks for listening. See ya. If only to be a reasonable man.